Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Happy New Year. Hey, while we're standing, let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. We are gathered in the assembly of saints. We're gathered under heaven. We are gathered in your name. And when two or three are gathered in your name, you are there in their midst. And so Father, we believe that even as we take our seats and we sit here, you are in our midst. You're sitting next to us. You're closer than the air we breathe. You're closer than the garment on our skin. And Father, we pray, today we lean into your word, not the word and the voice and the sound that's rattling around in the world, but we listen to the voice of heaven because heaven and earth will pass away and your words will never, ever pass away. And God, as we sit in your presence, as we lean into you, let your word take root in our hearts. Let your word change us, transform us, consume us, lead us, guide us, fill us with energy, fill us with peace, fill us with joy. And Father, lead us in the way everlasting. We give you all the glory. We love your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. You may take your seat. What a good looking bunch you guys are. Some of you look really tan like me. I know in the last two weeks, some of you have been working on your tan. I see that tan brother, looks good. Um, let's just turn to um, one of my favorite scriptures. Uh, and you know, at the start of the year, or the last few months, we've been hearing, make no small plans for 2022. Now, the start of 2022, well, the enemy is also not making small plans. He seems to be up in a lot of plans. And you daily hear from the news what's happening, and you might be alarmed by all of this. And I believe today God wants to put a word of encouragement, a word to champion us, a word to set us marching. So let us turn to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27 to 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27 to 31. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The title of my message this morning is, For Those Who Wait. Are we nearly there yet? 
Every single parent sitting in this room watching online has heard those dreaded words. And it usually happens five minutes when you set out of your house. Five minutes into a road trip from the back of the row in the car, you will hear these words echoing. Are we nearly there yet? And I actually have a theory. The younger the kids are, the more frequency at which this is repeated. The older they grow up, they actually kind of sober down. And you know what? I actually don't blame kids. Because you know what? In this room, I am 100% sure there's not one person who likes to wait. And if there's anyone here who likes to wait for things and likes to wait a long time, at the end of this service, please do me a favor. Come and pray for me. Nobody likes to wait. Yet in life, there's so many things of life that is like a unbearable waiting room. You wait at the traffic lights. You wait at traffic. You wait for your interview results. You wait through nine months of pregnancy. I'm told no uterus, no comments, so I'll just leave it there. You wait for your latest iPhone. You wait for the blessed NBN to start, you know, coming out of the wheel of death so that you can have a conversation. You wait for a spouse. Hello? Good luck to you. And finally, and finally, let me introduce to you something. COVID-19. This sucker has made us wait for two years and counting for so many things. Weddings have been on hold, trips have been on hold, interstate, overseas, reunions have been on hold. So many things seem to be in a deep freeze of waiting. And you know what? To the very best of us, waiting gets to our nerves. Nobody likes to wait. It's funny how you walk, you drive through Maccas, which is meant to give you food in seconds, and they make you wait in the waiting bay. What's up with that? Nobody likes to wait. But you know, even in the midst of waiting and as frustration builds up, as angst builds up, I can assure you a prolonged wait can sometimes make you question what life is all about. It can make you lose track of the objective. It can obscure your vision. It can make you question, is there even purpose in life? Is there meaning to this? Waiting for prolonged periods of time can make you question all sorts of things, even God. This passage that we just read right here, in those four verses, in those five verses, you hear people, a group of people who had been waiting for a very, very long time. The Bible tells us they've been actually waiting for decades. They had been waiting for freedom. They had been waiting for life to go back to some form of normalcy. They had been waiting for their right to worship in the house of God. And you can imagine they would have been waiting for months and years and years and years to be reunited with their loved ones. And at the end of this massive period of waiting, they had come to the end of the road. There was no hope in their fuel tank. They felt abandoned. They felt this cruel set of circumstances were imposed on them. And it seemed to them in the midst of all of this clouding their vision, they felt God didn't care about them anymore. Why does this sound familiar to us? 
we can empathize with these group of people. You know why? For many of us, even in the present climate, we could be finding ourselves right here. You might be feeling drained. You might be feeling dejected. You might be feeling frustrated with the news. And you might be feeling completely exhausted with the season you're in. In the midst of this, what is our hope? I'm wondering just like you, how can we possibly renew our strength in these times? I'm glad you're asking that question. Firstly, come to God with your struggles. In verse 27 of this scripture that we read, there is an ongoing struggle and there's an ongoing battle of words. It paints the struggle of this group of people who had lost direction for today. They had lost hope for tomorrow or for the next week. They had no hope and they had become completely dejected. And in the midst of this, they didn't think God was there on their side. But you know what I find? That in this scripture, even actually as you read through all of Isaiah chapter 40, God comes to them with a message of comfort. And I know this morning to many of you sitting here watching online, God wants to bring a message of hope and comfort. I find comforting that when they are speaking in the midst of this struggle, God's response and attitude towards them is not one of condemnation and what are you talking about? It is one of comfort and hope. In the midst of this engagement, God doesn't send a rain of fury or dismiss them. In fact, he has empathy on them. You see in this scripture, he calls them by name. The greatest thing that you can do when you come to God with your struggles is that you know for sure you will be known by your name. You're not a file number. You're not a number on a card. You're not known by some pseudonym or an initial. You are known by your name. And when God gives you, opens the door and hears you and lets you in and when you can pour out your struggles, pour out your pain, pour out your suffering before him, he calls you by name. And it's interesting to note that in that point, he calls them Jacob. He calls them Israel. Those two names have a lifelong eternal covenant attached to those names. And even in the midst of that suffering, as they're pouring out their suffering, he was like, I know who you are because I named you. I have a covenant with you. I have a deal, a lifelong deal with you. And I find comfort in that, that when we come to God with our struggles, we're not an obstruction to God. We are not a burden on God. There are no five-hour-long queues at God's door. God never tells you, I want you to go home, self-diagnose and self-isolate yourself. You would never hear that from God. Instead, we read in Psalm chapter 46, verse 1. This is what he says. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. And now more than ever before, we need to hear that message that God is our refuge and He's our strength. In God's presence, we always, always, always have the safety to bring our state of despair without being judged or condemned. 
Can I encourage you, friends, that if there's anyone sitting in this room who's come with a heavy heart, don't walk away from here on your own. Talk to someone. And if you don't know anybody in this church, come talk to one of our leaders here in the front. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to encourage you. We'd love to journey with you. And if you're sitting here 100% and overflowing with confidence and let's go and you know, oozing confidence and you're radiating like heaven, can I encourage you, don't leave without encouraging one person. Don't come here and just walk away without uplifting one person. You know why? Church is a covenant family. In covenant family, when you are strong, you're looking for those who are weak. And when you're weak, you're looking for those around you who are strong, who can lift you up. How can we be renewed in strength? Secondly, be reminded of God's greatness. Verse 28 and 29 it says, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. You know what? It's interesting to note that this information was not new to this group of people. They were God's chosen people. For years and years, they had heard of stories of how he had parted the Red Sea how he had done all those miracles, how he had provided a massive Michelin star meal in the desert for them. They had heard from Uncle Toby and Uncle Mac and they had heard from um, Father John and everybody else about the great things God had done in their lives for generations. But in the midst of that crisis, they needed a reminder. Most of us sitting here come here every week and get to hear an amazing message. But you know what, if you rely on just a once in a while reminder, particularly on a Sunday, it might not last till a Monday afternoon. It might not even last till your first meeting on Monday morning when you're sitting face to face with that person who's working on your nerves for the last six months. This is why we need to be having a daily encounter with God. We need a daily reminder of who God is. We need a daily reminder of God's greatness. That's awesome what you heard last week. That podcast from six weeks ago was awesome. But you need to top up your tank today. Today is the day to fill your tank with God's greatness. Today is a day where you remind yourself of His goodness and His greatness. It is only in God's Word that you're reminded that God is everlasting. Now what does that mean? God's rule and reign will outlast every pandemic. God's rule and reign will outlast every season of our life, good, bad, ugly, and best. God's rule and reign will outlast every government, every legislation, and it'll also outlast every single person's opinion. It is only in God's word that we are reminded that God is creator, not us. You and I are not the architect of our life. God is. And the longer we keep wrestling for control of the steering wheel, we'll get tired. And you know what happens to tired drivers? Accidents happen. The car goes off the edge of the cliff. And so we are reminded here that God is creator. He holds all things together. 
Over the holidays, I watched a movie, Don't Look Up. Has anyone watched that movie? It's an amazing movie. Oh. <laughs> I, got, I got some stares from there. But I'll tell you what, although it was a comedy, there was a lot of science involved in it. One of the things they say is if a, if a comet or a meteorite, a kilometer wide, hits Earth, you and I are in a lot of trouble. And I, at that point, I just remembered, he holds all things in the universe together with his word. Scientists have only cataloged a few thousand comets floating around. There's millions of others. It is only in God's word that we are reminded that God's understanding is unsearchable. You can't do a Google search on what God's thinking. You can't do a, hit, a Google search on what God is all up to. No one can fathom the mind of God. You cannot decipher him. You cannot decode him. You cannot box him up. And it's only in God's word that you're reminded that he is the ultimate source of power and strength. What does he do with all this power and strength? He's not stingy. He's not holding it all to himself. He's not power tripping. He gives it to those who are weak. He gives it to those who are weary. He doesn't hold it all together to himself. But he's a God who generously gives to those who are weary and faint. How do we renew our strength? Thirdly, do not lean on your own strength. Verse 30, it says, even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. No matter how talented you are, no matter how equipped you are, no matter how resilient you are, please understand this. A life without Jesus is bound to fail. Every single day, tabloids around the world name and shame people. These are not bad people. These are once legends and heroes of society. But somehow, the trials of life have consumed them. And so what does media do? They relegate these people to the ash heap of history. These people were more talented than us. They gifted, more educated, more wealthy, more connected, more influential. And yet they perish. And it reminds me this thing. No matter how hard you try, our strength is not sufficient to surpass the trials of this life. It's interesting to note that the last few weeks or the last few days, the whole talk has been about this one guy who has $250 million in the bank and he can't get a better hotel. He can't afford himself a better meal. Too bad. You got to live with the commoners. You know who I'm talking about? That tennis guy. All his connections and political connections and shoulder rubbing and influence and the number of people he has on his speed dial on his phone can't afford him an upgrade to a bigger bed or a better room. And in the last two years, if I've learned something, this is what I've learned. We cannot rely on our own strength, be it physical, be it financial, be it emotional, be it mental. No other source of strength will help us sail through the tests of time. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10, I love this. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and he's safe. The name of the Lord, not the name of a church, not the name of an organization, not the name of a government or a politician or an influencer. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. 
Brothers and sisters, can I encourage you this morning? Let us not to, let's not turn to any other name, any other self-help guru or influencer in 2022. You know why? The greatest influencer in the history of humanity, his name is Jesus. For over 2,000 years, he has shaped history. He has shaped nations. He has shaped politics. He has shaped human rights. He has shaped the life and destinies of billions of people on planet Earth. Now more than ever before, let's make a resolve at the start of this year that we will lean on the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. How do we renew our strength? Fourthly, we wait upon the Lord. Verse 31, it says, but those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Waiting on God is not sitting in a room with a clock and tick tock, tick tock, God, you've got 10 minutes. That's not waiting on God. Waiting on God is not sitting in a confinement booth till God gets to your name card and calls out your name. Waiting on God is actually refusing to run ahead of him and fix, take matters into your own hands and fixing it for yourself. A great example of this would be Abraham. He was waiting on God for a promise and yet after waiting for a lengthy period of time, he took some wrong counsel and he took matters into his own hands. We all know where it ended up. Waiting on God is not to live miserly, miserable, kicking and screaming with the soundtrack behind our backs. I am so lonely, I have nobody. All of my own. <clears throat> you know who I'm talking about? Elijah, that guy. He had a temper tantrum. He was, he was in a fit. He was mad. I'm the only one here. God doesn't care. I just want to die. God said, chill, bro. Everything's okay. Relax. To wait upon God is to live expectantly. To being reminded daily of his goodness, of his greatness, of his unfailing promises. To wait upon God is to fall down seven times and to stand up eight times. To wait upon God is not to demand a blueprint from God or to interrogate Him, asking Him what's next. To wait upon God is to patiently give Him the room and the space and ask Him to lead us. To wait upon God is not to throw the towel when the circumstances get hard, but to cling on to the one who has promised you those good things over your life. I love how Psalm 40, verse one to three says, I waited patiently upon God and he inclined and heard my cry. He lifted me up from the miry clay and set my feet on solid ground. The crux of the message that I wanna leave with you is this. We, leave, we live in an instant culture, a quick fix culture. The society and the world around us doesn't practice delayed gratification. They want it now. Everywhere you go, you get the option to review service out of five stars on the basis of the speediness of the service, the quality of the service, and, and how quick you got things in your hand. I know of people who waited four months for a bed or a furniture, a piece of furniture. I'm sure to leave a bad review. And the problem is when we bring that mindset into our walk with God, it leads us further away from the fruits of the Spirit. There is not a single fruit that you can find in the supermarket shelf that was planted last night and somehow made its way today. 
every fruit takes its time. There is no fruit born in haste. And I actually want to read to you some of the fruit in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things, there is no law. None of these things that I listed out grow overnight. It takes time. It's produced in waiting. The fruits of the Spirit are signs of maturity, of spiritual maturity. In other words, if we can't wait, we can't grow and mature in Christ. Even the world has a term for such people. I hope you don't find this offensive. They call them man-child. What they're saying is the guy, the dude's got a man's body, like a full-grown adult body, but he behaves like a child. And when I began to think about that, I actually thought, even in Christendom, even in church, even in, in our own spiritual world, we can end up like that. We could be sitting in church for 50, 60, 80 years till we die and they pack us and we go to home to be with Jesus and still not speak a particular way, have issues of heart, not deal with things, not be mature enough. When we don't wait, it leads us away from the greatest commandment that God asked us to do, love. You know why? Love is patient. Kingdom culture is all about waiting patiently on God. Kingdom culture is about waiting patiently for God. Kingdom culture is waiting to hear from God. Kingdom culture is waiting for God to lead you, not lead him. Kingdom culture is about growing in God. And this is a conscious decision we gotta make daily. It's not a t-shirt that you buy once during conference and then the rest is sorted. It's not a New Year's resolution you make it on the 1st of Jan and forget on the 3rd of Jan. You gotta make a daily conscious decision to wait upon God. Practically, what does it look like? I'll give you a few. When you pray, rather than making your prayer like ordering pizza, I need this, this, garlic bread, that, dips, da 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 why don't you leave space and gap and allow God to speak to you? That's one way of waiting on God. Instead of making your prayer all about you and your need and your want, give space for God to speak to you. Wait upon God to hear from Him. Another way is when you make those big decisions in life, pause. Pray before you make those big decisions. Another way is before you go and say yes to someone to you know, going out for that date, pause, wait upon God. Now, you won't like me for that, but I'm telling you, it'll save you a lot of heartache. Another way is praying and asking God for advice and counsel on things that you have done thousands upon times. You might be cooking in the kitchen. You might be driving to work. You might be doing things that you have done thousands upon thousands of times, but pause and wait upon God. Have you waited upon God before you put that thing on social media? Have you waited upon God before you made that phone call and spoke to someone the way you spoke? You need to wait upon God. Before you make that big decision or big, make that big move, no matter how much capable you are making, how much capable you are of making that decision, you need to wait upon God. 
These are some of the practical ways you could wait upon God. I want to share with you an illustration of a man. There was this guy. His name was Job. He had everything that life could afford him. He had the nice house. He had the money. He had the wealth. He had the servants. He had everything. And in the midst of having everything, one fine day, tragedy struck. He lost his livelihood. All his children were killed one day. And even his own physical body broke down. His family was splintered. He had nothing left. His own wife told him, curse God and die. But this man, he didn't take the advice of his wife or his friends. He didn't descend into the depths of self-pity. He didn't decide to go online and check. He didn't order a new book online. He actually decided to wait patiently on God. He waited on God to find out why this is happening to him. He waited patiently on God, crying out to God, pleading with God and praying to God. And in the midst of his waiting, he was reminded of how great God was. He was reminded of the true beauty of who God is and the true nature of who God is. And as he spent time waiting, a thought and a new idea emerged in his heart. He had new words to articulate and put how great God was. He soon realized that he was the son of a living God who had not gone to sleep, but who was alive and well and looking after him. And in the midst of that epiphany, he was able to rise up from the ashes and give glory to God and praise him. And you know, this man, Job, had everything restored unto him more than he ever had before. I know some of you might be sitting here. In the last two to three years, you might have felt like you've lost everything. You've lost relationships. You may have lost finances. You might have been hit hard by the practical realities of this pandemic. You might be sitting here thinking, is there even meaning to life? Is it even worth living? And for some of you sitting here or even watching online, you might be thinking, I mean, if life is so hard, why is it, is it even worth living? And the, you know, the circumstances, the natural circumstances of your life have built so much pressure that you might even have thought, it's better to die than to live. I just want to encourage you this morning that I was a man who was there. Didn't see meaning for life, didn't see any purpose. But I want to stand here as a voice echoing one thing. There is hope in Jesus. There is hope in Jesus. There is peace in Jesus. There is joy in Jesus. From the day I surrendered control of my life to God, He has taken full control and led me through seasons. Has everything been a bed of roses ever since then? No. But I know one thing, whose I am and who I am. And I want to share that same message to you. If you're sitting here lost and depressed and if you're filled with angst and anxiety and confused, what's going to happen? How is this year going to turn out? And even if you're sitting here thinking that, is there even hope in this? Is there meaning to life? I just want to read a quick line to you. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. This, these are the words of Jesus. 
Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Notice this one thing. He didn't say, come to me, all you Christians. He didn't say, come to me, all you good fellas. He didn't say, come to me, all those who've been going to church. He said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 31 of the scripture that we read earlier, it says, but those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Only when we wait upon God do we have the strength to soar like eagles over temporary clouds. I'm telling you one thing. Take this to the bank. What you're seeing today is a temporary cloud. This too shall pass. Only when you wait on God will you have the strength to soar like an eagle above the clouds, spiritually and emotionally. Otherwise, you'd be scratching the surface around like a chicken. Only when you wait on God will you run the marathon of life and not grow weary. No amount of Kool-Aid will fix that, but only when you wait on God. It's only when you wait on God you can walk the longest and the hardest mile of life and not grow faint. Can I leave you with a charge? Let us stand guard against unbelief. Because unbelief will say God's not good enough and He's not capable enough. Let's stand guard against pride at the start of this year. Let's be vigilant about guarding against pride. Because pride will say, I know how to fix this. I've done this before. I've got it all figured out. Let's stand guard against overtly being confident in yourself. You know, if we go on our own strength, we will grow weary at some point and we will fail. But I want to declare to you and I want to wholeheartedly say this to you. There is a strength that overcomes every mountain and every valley of life. It surpasses every feeling every fear, every anxiety, every emotion. It overcomes all the past failures and it also overcomes yours and my weaknesses. This strength that comes in waiting on God helps us to be carried over all difficulties and helps us lay hold on the one true price to which we are called in Christ Jesus. And this strength, when we wait upon God, is available to all those who wait upon the Lord. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation 
in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.